Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Erios production. Hello, everyone. How are we doing this week? Guys, I'm feeling hopeful. Are some of you vaccinated? Oof, are you ready to get back out into the world? Oh, my goodness. I'm ready. That's for sure. I'm out in Palm Springs again, visiting Pam and Joe. That's mom and dad to me. And we've had just such a great time. They're fully vaccinated. They're going to get on a plane and head back east. And I just look forward to uh, getting on a plane myself and heading their way and being with family and, you know, just being all together. You guys, speaking of family. So I gave a rewatch to the Britney Spears in the zone and out all night. It was a special that was on MTV. MTV gave us so much back in the early 2000s. Would we say that that was their their peak? Or am I just saying that because that's when, when I was of the MTV age? I can't tell, but God, it was a good time. I gave this a rewatch. And what is this? This special was to promote... Uh, the Zone, the album, and Britney goes to, it's either three or four. I think it's three clubs in one night to do a surprise performance. It is unbelievable what this woman did in one night. Well, first, the logistics. I mean, they were going into these clubs and surprising all of these people. There are so many unknowns, right, heading into an environment like that. And it was just, uh, it gave me a thrill. One club Brittany goes to, she is dancing so hard and the club was so hot that she says that she thought she was going to pass out on the stage. And then all of her backup dancers said the same thing. She was like, I just, she just like blacked out. She just kept going. She thought she was going to faint, but she said that she felt the love from the crowd. And I believe that that in particular was the gay club, of course. I mean, it was just like, and honestly, that was the best venue. That was the best out of the three venues. Um, she just, oh God, she's amazing. And that's honestly, I think, when it was the most challenging choreography of Britney's career was the choreography for that album. Um, and it was it was just amazing. And she's getting ready and she's in the vans and, oh God, there's a rough start at the top. When they finally all get in, they leave. And one of the, the main vans goes to the wrong location, goes to the other club. It held everything up. 
And this was, uh, you know, in the middle of New York City. It was wild. And then she calls someone on the phone and she thought that they were going to be able to hang out, her and a, a gentleman. And then she says, I didn't realize this was going to go till like five in the morning. So I'll, you know, I'll call you tomorrow. And it's like really like flirty and Felicia's in the car and she's making fun of Brittany and saying she has a boyfriend. And Brittany's like, oh, my God, now I'm down. And it's like it's just such a moment in time. Huh. I was like, God, I love everything about this. Oh, to be in a club, to be sweaty, to be all together. But the reason I mentioned family and saying that this was this was my transition, you might be like, you've lost me here, Jen. Guys, there was so much family in this. So much family. And one particular family member, and that is Brittany's brother. I don't believe that we have talked about Brittany's brother enough. I am not a fan. I know Brittany is close with his children or child, not sure. I believe that it is his daughter uh, that Brittany, remember when she went through the phase where she was teaching dance class to a group of girls and it was her niece's dance class? I think it was, I don't think it was Jamie Lynn's daughter. I think it was her brother's daughter. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you all will. But I believe that's the case. And I know that they have you know, family of origin stuff. Again, like, you know, these things are complicated. But he, the only thing that we really have seen of him recently was in the Framing Britney Spears doc, they play a a snippet of his conversation on a podcast where he's talking about this. And it is just very misogynistic, saying how she's full of opinions. I mean, it's just... And how dare she? It's a really strange conversation. He is so, he has no self-awareness. He he just sounds like such a pig in in this interview. And and it's a, a male podcaster. And he's like, well, what you're saying is like, she she has, you know, opinions and control over herself. That seems like a, a right of every human being. And he's like, yeah, oh, Brittany just needs to be in the corner. Shut up. I mean, he doesn't say that, but he kind of he kind of says it. Uh, well, now we go back in time for this, this MTV special. And uh, wow, Brian makes an appearance. It's while Brittany's getting her hair and makeup done. And he comes in and he starts making fun of her body. He says to Brittany that her butt has been looking big. And then he says, and her stomach too. And he acts like it's funny. And then she tells him that he should switch his hair up. She's trying to, she's, she doesn't want to make him feel bad. And she's also trying to downplay her own feelings about her body. It's almost as if she changes the conversation to lightly poke fun at him about his hair. But she's not making fun of his hair. She's just saying you should change the color of your hair or the haircut and have more fun with it. And finally, she just gives up and she looks straight at the camera and rolls her eyes like, oh, God, just is he going to stop talking? And it was a real uh, look behind the curtain. And it made me feel very uncomfortable. I did not like the dynamic. And it's, you know, siblings poke fun at each other. And I know it's, I have a sister, she's my best friend. And I know that's different than a brother-sister relationship. But it just, there was something about it where it was the, the power dynamic where you can just tell he's on the payroll Clearly, I I believe working for Britney, technically the boss, and and he is older than her and a guy, and he just makes fun of her because he just needs to make sure that she's just put in her place enough. I didn't like it, guys. I didn't like it. And then Britney says, this might even be earlier in the episode, she starts talking about Jessica Simpson. 
and how, you know, Jessica Simpson, you know, she says things because this is during the newlyweds time. Jessica Simpson, you know, how she says things that don't make sense and she doesn't know the meanings of, of the things that she's saying and she's questioning these things and she gets made fun of all the time. Well, the thing is, I get it because there are a lot of things I don't know either. And so I ask and I don't know. And she said, my brother, he made fun of me the other day for it. And he was saying, you know, of course you don't know that, Brittany. How do you not know that? Or something to that effect. And she said, I'm too busy selling millions of albums. And it was such a burn. He wasn't even in the room for this. And that was also interesting that when he's not around, she knows the truth. She's speaking clearly. And it's just like game over. You know, she says, I'm too busy selling millions of albums to know all this dumb shit you know in your brain. I've got work to do. I'm supporting all of you. Look around. The biggest star in the world. I'm 19 years old. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, so it was just very interesting. But then when he comes in, she doesn't want to make him feel too bad. So she kind of pokes fun at him, but doesn't uh, shut him down. Guys, give it a watch. I believe it's on YouTube in three parts. It was a, a great use of 30 to 40 minutes. Gotta say that. On the show today, I have the one, the only, Whitney Cummings. Comedian, writer, producer, director, podcast host. She's had so many TV shows, movies, everything. Here's the thing. Whitney said, Jen, you've known me since before I was a stand-up. And that is so... Uh, I don't know, just like it took me back because I moved to LA when I was uh, 21 and I have been here ever since. <laughs> and I'm in my uh, late, late 30s and I've met so many people and have known some people who have done so many amazing things in their career during these years. And it's just interesting to look at someone like Whitney who's done so much and you know her being a comedian is a massive part of her identity and I've known her since before that was a part of it for her and so it was really nice to uh reconnect and it was great we hadn't seen each other and in so long in person and the first thing we talked about was Britney Spears and you know what that seemed right as rain to me right as rain so it was great. I felt I was so grateful that she sat down to have this conversation with me. And it is a honest conversation. You guys, the Britney fan family is, a, is as complicated as Britney's family of origin. We are a we've got a lot of opinions. You know, we 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 all show our love for Britney in different ways um, because we all have different relationships with Brit with Britney. And Whitney had a lot to say about it. And you know, she, Whitney is, God, she just, she's got so much uh, personal experience when it comes to complicated families of origin, addiction, recovery on all sides, and just having an open mind and honestly, empathy, compassion for all human beings. Like, in a lot of ways, I, you know, I just, I don't think that it's always there's a good guy and a bad guy. You know, there's a hero and a villain. I I actually don't, I think if, I think if all of us kind of looked a little bit deeper and wondered, you know, what's going on with everybody, that we might find a lot more common ground. And so it was really, it was really interesting to have this conversation with Whitney. And I hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the lovely, the talented, the the gal who's got the greatest skin in the game, Miss Whitney Cummings. Early morning, she wakes up, knock, knock, knock on the door. It's time for makeup, perfect smile. And Whitney, let's talk about, you know, Britney has been famous for over 20 years now. 
Let's talk about your relationship. How did you feel about her when she first came onto the scene? Oh, I mean, she was ever. I mean, I went to a Catholic school. I felt sexually repressed. She's in a skirt and, and, you know, hit me baby one more time. We were doing it in the hallway. We were dressing like her. We were dancing like her. It never felt slutty to us. It never felt that sexual. It was so weird to me when it was like, I started seeing like guys be like, she's so hot. I was like, like, I just didn't sexualize her, you know, like we were all just like impersonating her, dressing up as her for Halloween. And it was like, she was strong and she had muscles in her legs and she had abs. And like, you know, this is maybe a lot of people don't, don't maybe talk about this angle, but I was like struggling with eating disorders and like, I wanted to be skinny. And I remember seeing her body and being like, no, I want to be strong. You know, like Brittany was one of the first bodies I saw just because of whatever my whatever MTV or whatever. I was like, I want to be fucking ripped. Like, I don't want to be skinny. She always seemed so always seemed so strong to me. There was something about her body where I was truly mesmerized from day one. I was like, she could kick anyone's fucking ass in that hallway. You know what I mean? And I I saw her as an athlete, you know, and I and it's so fascinating to see sort of what's happened because she just she looked like a warrior to me and to see what's sort of gone on with her like I just she just felt like such a powerful pop star physically powerful you know strong in shape in charge it didn't feel like an uncomfortable gross sexual thing to me personally I'm sure a lot of men were very gross and perverted about it but that's not how me and my girlfriend saw it. And when you first became well-known, famous, was that around the time? I was trying to figure out this, the timeline because I've known you for uh, around the time I moved to Los Angeles. You know me from maybe before I started doing stand-up, Jen. I remember a bunch of us were out um, at a bar and I remember you came in and I'd met you before this, but I remember we're all out having drinks and I remember you walked in with a coffee. And you were like, I'm going to go do, I'm going to go do some work. And I was like, that is so annoying. And then I realized what it was is that I was deeply jealous. I was like, that is a person who is going to become so very successful. And that is exactly what happened. And I was just sitting there just not knowing what to do with my life. And you, it seemed like had it all figured out from day one. So, uh, so congratulations on that. I appreciate (laughs) it, Jen. Um, what you witnessed was a very severe mental illness, um, that I have been uh, trying to manage over the past 15 years, uh, called perfectionism or gallism, very, uh, deep codependency and a lack of self-esteem, which drove me to work uh, like a maniac, driven by fear. The irony is I was looking at you, madly jealous of you, because like everyone loves her. She's having so much fun. Like we had friends in common. Jen is the life of the party. You're so effervescent and naturally funny. And at that time, I felt like I was not worth anything without working really hard. I didn't trust my own talent or personality. So I I worked 10 times harder than I needed to because I was socially awkward. I was I, it was a way to hide. It was very much an addiction. I I, I think I'm, I'm I found the balance later, but I think during that time it was not particularly healthy. And I remember when you started to do stand up and going to the M bar with that. That's be where I first did stand up M bar on yeah. Vine and Fountain. And I remember the conversation being like Whitney's doing stand up like it was new or something. I remember I just kind of remember that energy. And again, watching you and being like, that is so just just thinking how how honestly how brave you were. Like, I just didn't have the confidence to do things like what you were doing. And I think it's always uh, when when I have these conversations with people that I that that knew me back then that I knew back then, I always feel the need to just say, you know, when people say you were so confident and you're so fearless and you, I was terrified and but I was so I was more terrified of failing that the terror of of going on stage and performing just slightly was less than the terror of failing and I look back and I'm like I have no idea how I did that. Like I was just drunk on fear and I I was like, fake it till you make it. Like I just, I think it's important to let anyone know that's starting. You don't have to know what you're doing. Just, just do it and you, and you'll fit. There's no blueprint for it and just, just get on. Unco- it's going to be so uncomfortable for so long. 
And to me, the discomfort of standing in the hallway with comics that were like hazy. I mean, at that time, it was like very emotionally treacherous, hard. You know, I came from an environment that was very emotionally treacherous and hard. So that was a kind of my comfort zone. So I, I think it's important to let people know, like when you grew up in an acrimonious alcoholic family, like th that feels a little bit like a warm hug. So I kind of had a, an advantage <laughs> in a way <laughs> because that's all I knew. Um, and sort of, I think emotionally healthy people come in and like, this is toxic. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do we all just grab each other's asses and everyone shows each other dicks? Like, you know, I, I was uh, very comfortable in a very toxic situation for the wrong reasons. <laughs> so the goal is, uh, for this business to get a little healthier so that healthy people like you feel safer to go take risks and be creative and go on stage and you know, it just wasn't a particularly emotionally safe environment back then either. So you being scared to do it was a healthy reaction. <laughs> that's that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, you just never know what's really going on with people. And so when you like what year did Whitney come out? Was it 2000, uh, 2010, 2009, 2010? So that was post Britney shaving her head. Correct. Because I was thinking when you when you started to become well known, what who were the famous people and what was that like when you were entering that whole world? Wow, wow, wow. Because I mean, even when because when you're doing when you're doing stand up or I guess when you first move to Los Angeles, I'm just thinking and trying to paint the picture for mm -hmm. everyone listening, mm -hmm. is that you even if you're not well known, you kind of start to run in circles yeah. or where you're around yeah. people and you're you're kind of you know seeing the whole thing like I remember going to nightclubs and I went up to Chris Evans and I grabbed his face and I said he was like he was like apple pie and he was just so America and I think I'm responsible for him becoming Captain America like I called it first I grabbed his sweet little face you're like um, you're gonna be in the pictures <laughs> you're like a talent agent like in the 20s <laughs> that's my dream. I think that's actually where I would have really thrived. I love building people up. I love like coming up with a game plan for so. people. Um, but anyways, you kind of see people out and you get to know people and you see people at the beginnings of their career. And so when you were starting to be on this scene, yeah, who was famous? What did the what did the culture look like? That's a great, such a good question because at the time I had such tunnel vision and I do know at the time, who else was kind of getting visibility? Because I remember thinking like, oh my God, I finally get to do this thing and I'm doing it wrong. Like there was a very um, insidious uh, pitting women against each other that made that what should have felt like a triumph be incredibly embarrassing because it was like Zoe Deschanel, uh, the new girl was happening with Liz Merriweather and, and Zoe Deschanel uh, girls was happening and it was like three very different kind of women with shows with very different voices and very different tones and very different formats. Like, you know, new girl was, you know, Zoe Deschanel, who's a very specific energy, very specific show. It was a single cam show. Mine was like traditional multi-cam loud. It was, uh, uh, whereas Zoe was very much, you know, leaning into this uh, traditional femininity while also being kind of one of the guys and playing around with that. And then I was trying to do this subversive show in a very traditional format, you know. I wanted to do this like role gender reversal where the man wanted to get married and the woman didn't and sort of uh, uh, twist the multicam on its head, this traditional format. And then Lena Dunham is over here doing this like HBO, you know, single cam where she's showing stuff that's never been shown on TV and I was hoping it'd be this cool moment where it's like three different women. And then it was very much like, but I like girls better and I like this better. And, you know, I was trying to make Two Broke Girls, which uh, with Michael Patrick King, which was about, you know, these sort of incendiary cat deadings is saying vagina. And, and then there's this backlash, you know, of women saying vagina is raunchy. You know, it was like it was just like should have felt like triumphant and cool. And all these women are. I mean, forget the fact that they're all white and they're, you know. Forget, like, the obvious problems of naming those, you know, three women. and But it felt very, like, 
like, I'm not as good as her. Like, it just was like, it should have felt triumphant. And instead, it like felt weird and competitive and, you know, was very bittersweet. But, you know, at the time, I think the people I look to, you know, I'm obsessed with pink. I've always just looked to pink as like, not giving any fucks. And, you know, the, like, you know, pink was, I'm also a weirdo, like with music, like I still kind of exclusively listen to Lauryn Hill. Like, I like, I'm not super in the know about stuff. And I was very sequestered at that time. And there's a weird thing about L- Los Angeles, where you're in kind of this bubble where you don't really know what's going on in the zeitgeist. Like I knew who I would see like on talk shows when I would go to a talk show. And I'd be like, Oh, who's that band? And it was like Mumford and Sons. And they had already been famous for 10 years. Like, so I was like, a little, I'm, I was a little bit of a Luddite when I was coming up and was very uh, kind of myopic. But, you know, Britney Spears was definitely famous. <laughs> I'm trying to think who else. I mean, and then I had my, you know, uh, comedian heroes that I looked up to. But is that am I being is this answering the question at all? Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And also what I'm kind of getting from this is that because you were such a workaholic and you were at the comedy clubs and traveling and also making your show that you weren't out at the nightclubs grabbing Chris Evans face and doing ridiculous things like I was like seeing Lindsay Lohan right when she got out of uh, God, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton. Hilton. Uh, That's my Nicole Richie. Yes. 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 Like during that whole time. I mean, okay. When we, had talked briefly before this, you had mentioned the Ebon TV Movie Awards. So you were, you know, at these things where then you are around all of these people. Mm-hmm. What is that like? Well, here's what I'll say. When it comes to me, I think it's really important that people, you know, listening, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, like, like I, we've all been at, at these movie award shows, Letterman, Leno. There's a very big difference between the comedy world the acting world and the music world. It is a very different business. There has been a huge reckoning with Me Too. There has been a no one has even really touched it in music. Kesha has tried. A couple people have tried. Music is still, you know, you know, a musician is on Leno, right? Who's equally as famous as the guest, and they've got twenty people around them. Whereas mm-hmm. Will Ferrell's got one. And you can walk yeah. up to him and be like, hey, man, like, I don't know if it's, music is sh- so much more is at stake. So much money is at stake. They are trying to sequester the artist. There's a lot of fake jobs. Also, too, a, an actor friend of mine said, here's the thing. If you're an actor, no matter how famous you get, you have to deal with a normal, I'm going to put this in quote, Great. person all the time. Because if you're Leonardo DiCaprio, you're going to do a scene with a guy who's hired for that day, a day player, and you're going to sit there and stand with that person for and seven hours going to come. Yeah. Where the person's going to say, so, uh, you know, they're going to ask some kind of question and, and most actors and most actors, famous actors, the good ones want to talk to people like that. They don't want to become uh, so removed from society that they can, you know, they want to talk to someone with two kids that lives in Pensacola and go like, what's that? You know, they're observers. Like, you know, you yes. there's plenty of those actors who are assholes and they don't talk to the day players and like, fuck them. But like most good actors and good comedians are curious and they, you know, comedians, we, we at every level, you stand at a meet and greet and you're like, did you think that was funny? Of course I'll sign your book. Like, yes. you know, but, uh, and act, yeah, musicians, they have their people and they're super protected. And that's that there's no socializing. When with, you say protected, with, I, I think it, I don't think that's really what's happened. That's what they, the people pretend they're doing to them. And I see a lot of exploitation. I see a lot of like, who's paying for all these people. And I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, systems in place that that musicians don't think to question. Um, there's a lot of people on payroll with fake jobs, you know, nine, you don't need nine publicists, standing, you know what I mean? It's just like, you yeah. know, and I think it's uh, challenging these systems uh, is we're just starting to go like, what do you do? Why am I paying you 100 grand a year? Why? Like all these musicians that are going broke, it's, I see why. And I see why these fear-based agents in managers, they come to the 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 shows and the, to make sure their clients don't meet other agents and managers. You know, it's a very fear based thing where when a musician comes on a, a, a show, like like 
they normally have to come knock on my door and be like, hey, I'm a fan. And I'm like, I would have come and said hi to you, but you have nine people standing outside your door. Yeah. It's just different. It's where it's just it's the music business is is still has that old school vultures hovering like 10 dudes just standing around that get paid. And I'm not sure what they do. Whitney, you live out in what I perceive to be Britney country. Correct. And to me, it's like you, Britney Spears, the Kardashians, <laughs> and Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey. I know they're not together anymore, but to me, there's like a ghost versions of them and they live in the house out where you live. That's really funny. And- We're all in the cul-de-sac. I wish. I wish. I'm, I'm in a very different cul-de-sac than Britney Spears and Jessica Simpson. I don't think they'd let me buy. And then I, you know, the woman from Happy Days lives down the street where I live. It's not Britney Spears, but, but yes, I'm in the vicinity. What is that... What's that like to live out there? Do you feel more isolated than when you lived closer in town? Yes, and complete, completely by choice. You know, for me, like I'm from, you know, I grew up in D.C., Virginia, West Virginia, living in a cosmopolitan city. Like there's there is a point where I I couldn't really take it any. It was hard for me. It doesn't come naturally to me. Um, uh, I, especially with, you know, working at night until two in the morning and needing to sleep till 11, like the lawnmowers and the chat, like I just have a lot of trouble with other people's noise and I secretly just kind of want to be a mountain woods lady. So I was looking at places in Texas like five years ago in Tennessee and all these places. And I was like, ultimately, there is a way to live in LA that's basically the woods. It's a way that I can stay in LA but not feel like I'm like in the rat race because, you know, for me living in this city just made me feel insecure by accident all the time. As soon as I'm like working on my self-esteem, you go to the coffee shop and you see nine models in line and you're just like, fucking put a gun in my mouth. Like, I just was like, I don't think it's necessary to just I don't need to be around. There's a way to do this that's healthier. So I've got, you know, I kind of moved far away so that I protect myself from just, you know, that energy. I love that. I love that. I, I'm, I'm also, I'm from the woods. So nice. getting to that seems, yeah, it's magical. We got to take care of our psyches. You know, it's very easy to get caught up in the artifice and the you know, and you go to the gym and you see literally nine famous celebrities who are famous for their perfect genetics. And I'm like, why the fuck am I on the treadmill behind, you know, you at Equinox? Like Rosie, I don't need to run into Rosie Huntington Whitley at the gym. Like I don't, I love her. I'm a fan. I don't need to see her in workout clothes. It's not helping my psyche. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do the Peloton and my garage alone. Yes, I love that. I love that. I I need that too. I need that too. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Now, recently you posted on your Instagram a uh, picture of yourself and you said something to the effect of you're thinking about Britney Spears and breaking her out, and that and that is all. 
Tell me your reaction to watching the doc. I had been following Britney Spears, obviously, on Instagram. I was one of those people that were like, what are these weird dancing videos? Like, I was one of the people that was like, what's she doing in that BB dress? You know what I mean? Like, is that Arden B from 1990? Like, has she been shopping recently? Like, I was joking about her. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know the full story. Uh, I'm all about artists taking a break. I was like, oh, she's doing her Vegas show. You know, I she's taking time off to parent. Like, I hadn't really been following it, like, super closely. And and then um, me and Benton started talking about it, and I started looking at it, and I started seeing the the captions and, and it just felt so off to me. Like, I just was like, this looks like an older dude. This is, this was my opinion. I was like, this looks like what an older dude would think a pop star would post. (laughs) That was just my, like, that was like my joke take. Like, why is she having, she's got all the clothes in the world. I've never posted more than three Instagrams in the same top. Even I know that's a boo-boo on social media. Why is she in the same peasant top from, like, Planet Blue in 30 photos? Like, it just, like, didn't add up. Like, I just was like, this is... And I was joking and being facetious about it. And we did a video where we went through, like, all her Instagrams and we're like, how come she doesn't follow any, like, young artists today? Why does she follow, like, Pitbull and Shania Twain? Like... And then it started feeling dark and it started feeling weird and started looking her eyes and it started feeling she wasn't there. Like, I just was like, then it started to go from like, oh, this is kind of like a silly, facetious, like exploration to like, this looks really scary. And uh, so it kind of went up on Instagram and and I guess we said like, what are with the roses in the post? Like, I, I just, it's weird. I'm sorry, but like to do a rose once every 10 posts, but it just looked like some guy, some older man. I don't know. I just, that was my instinct. And, and then we said like, Brittany, if you need help post like a yellow heart, like something in the bed and was like, she posted a yellow heart. And I was like, I don't think she was responding to us, but it was then all of a sudden we just really started following it. And then, um, getting an ooky feeling about it. The more I looked at it, the more it just, it just felt ooky. You know, there's people that have crazy Instagram feeds. I'm sure I'm one of them. But it just didn't feel like her. Not that I know her, but it just, in my heart of hearts, it just feel like this just doesn't feel right. I think so many people started to question her, question her Instagram in a way where, you know, there's a part of her fandom that is like, if you question it, then you're not a true fan. But I, we have to remember, I'm so sorry to cut you off. That's my brand silencing women i'm just silencing a woman on her own podcast but there's certain things in hollywood that you just know that that celebrities have access to the best personal trainers the best food the best fashion the latest fashion like why is she still doing jumping jacks as exercise there's newer thank you thank you you. why isn't she at least doing like Tracy Anderson or Soul Cycle, like it's like, why doesn't she know about the? And not to say that she would do it if she doesn't want to do those, that's fine. But I just was like, even her exercises are from ten years ago. Whitney, are you saying that between the Instagram posts and the what you're saying, she has access to all of these things? And I think this is such an important. She point. should most do she, most do. So it is her her father, a, a man from Louisiana, who's in charge of all of this. Therefore. She doesn't have access to Here's what I'm saying. Things. If you are faint, look at Mindy Kaling's feed. Look at any celebrity's feed. Reese Witherspoon, they're getting the newest Fenty from Rihanna. They're getting spa- gift bags. They're getting the newest Chanel purse. I, I'm not saying it's right. And for people listening, they're like, fuck celebrities that they get all that stuff. But Britney Spears should come home to a room full of free shit every day from Prada, Miu Miu, Louis Vuitton, Rihanna Fenty, Whatever the fuck, and Beyonce's uh, Blue Ivy line. Do you think it's being sent to her and she's just not receiving it? It. Uh, why is she in a peasant top from cachet only? It doesn't track for me. It if, doesn't. if that's her taste, totally fine. You know, because there's times that I looked at her and I'm like, she's like a, I would flip it and be like, she's like a genius that knows how to not be elitist and connect with her fans and 
just because it's like good for her for like just not like giving into the bullshit fashion uh, Hollywood. Like I would like vacillate like, you know, but like, why is she wearing these like Aldo heels? Like, what do we do? Like, not that that's not good, but she should have every Christian Louboutin for free in her closet. Like, it's just it's in Congress for or even not for free. To to even be able to go out and purchase these things for herself. Like, why is she not able to go to Shopbop and order? Like, I just, I, I go to Shopbop, I see 90 things Britney Spears would want to buy. I just don't see her wearing them on her Instagram. Oh, she does not have permission. New to clothes. Yeah. yeah. She does not have new clothes and she is not allowed to just go online and shop for herself. I, I just, something's off. So I, I and I and it's like really hard to articulate. And when I articulate, it feels gross. I have heard she doesn't have a cell phone. She's not allowed to have a cell phone. I don't know if that is true. Um, you know, I have heard a lot of crazy things that I, I can't prove necessarily. Well, but I think that Brittany, that the conservatorship, and this is this is a controversial thought, but that potentially the conservatorship began with the best of intentions mm-hmm. that that she was hanging out with a person that dude who, he's bad that, he is fucking bad, bad news bears yeah yes and that he was even potentially drugging her he was in her home he was yep. allowing other people in her home yep. and and that she was so taken with him and not in her right mind, also experiencing postpartum depression on top of all of this. And to be fair, what we've all done it when we weren't famous and weren't drugged, whether she was or not, when we weren't pop stars, we have all been in relationships with people that just said the right thing at the right time and took control, narcissists, malignant narcissists, these, these financial predators, I am not Britney Spears, and I am not even close to being as famous or rich as Britney Spears. I have had guys date me and use me for my... Like, I can't even imagine. But the things they say, no one understands you. They're stealing from you. I mean, it's the thieves that say they're stealing from you. Know, I, I can't even imagine the paranoia she's in, the confusion. Yes. She, who can she trust, like, literally besides you? Like, you're the... Like, Jen Zabrowski is, like, literally the person she should trust with her money. Like... Like, I've seen it before with with famous people, with pop stars that I knew before they were famous. You watch people take from them, take from them. The men marry them, take their money. And they they it, it really does a number on your brain. I've had small bouts of it. And I, I cannot even imagine what she's up against in terms of paranoia. I understand why that guy came in and was able to just fucking... She's not an idiot. She's not dumb for falling for it. This guy worked every angle, exploited every vulnerability, um, I believe. Yes, I believe that to be true as well. And then her parents came in, and these are people who are from the smallest of small towns uh-huh. in the South. Uh-huh. They were not. They do not have the tools. They were not equipped for this. At first, they made a horrible mistake when they put her in this 5150 hold that they sent Dr. Phil to Cedar Sinai. Okay. They okay. sent Dr. Phil. Okay. Yeah. So these are people, this is where they're coming from. Should have sent, I mean, should have sent Dr. Dre. If you were just looking for <laughs> famous doctors, honestly, <laughs> much better than Dr. Phil. Like Jesus. So they're sending him in. They don't know what to do. They get her in this 5150 hold. And I think that then she gets out and she is trying to figure out what to do. And they say to her, Brittany, this is going to happen. We're putting you in this conservatorship. And she says, okay, I understand that. I know I can't fight this. And they're saying, if you go along with this, you're going to get to see your children. And we just want you to be back with your boys. Now, if you're a mom, you're going to do anything to get back to your kids, let alone she's just come out of the hospital. And I mean, it's not that long that you're in there and and so she's just trying to get herself together. And I think that the only way they could separate Brittany uh-huh. and get her chemically balanced and get her away from the bad news bears uh-huh. was to start this conservatorship. And so what I wonder, and I mean, there's so much to cover, and I want to hear your take on all of this, but 
it's not like the conservatorship is a crystal ball for what would happen 12 years later. Like yeah. Britney Spears's voice is different. Let's just be honest. So it is a little bit has the the amount of control over her life and her medical health has that mm. led to this or did they know mm. that she would need that much support and that's why she's still in it and here's what i'll say like you know as someone that has uh had a lot of addiction in my life, in my family, 5150. I've seen a 5150 save people's lives. I look at Hollywood and the way it puts the pressure it puts people under, you know, Whitney Houston, that is blood on all our fucking hands. And everyone in the music business should be fucking ashamed of themselves for knowing what was going on and doing nothing and letting her drown in a bathtub. So like there are a lot of Michael Jackson, the documentary aside, like, you know, Heath Ledger, the list goes on, Amy Winehouse, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, I am a free Britney person through and through, but I also have watched people in this business get ridden and road hard, put away wet and used while actively being on drugs. Everyone knew about it. Everyone was, knew what was going on and they let them die and did nothing. You know, there were no parents to come in. And so for the money, just, I see it with comics. I see it with musicians. I, I just, I see it over and over again. And, and, you know, I'm the first person to go, if Brittany had died, like, we would have gone, where the fuck was her dad and mom, you know? So I don't know what happened. A 5150 is not a joke. Uh, you know, I have a lot of addiction in my family. I'm the first, I've, uh, you know, I've, I'm in 12-step programs. Like, I've seen this save people's lives a lot. You know, in order to be 5150, it, it has to be pretty serious. Um, California law is not, is pretty, it's hard to do. You know, it's actually... I wish it was easier, frankly, because a lot of people die because they can't get the, you know, 51. It's like, you know, I'm going to change the subject real quick just to show, you know, the way my, my brain is thinking in case people are going, fuck you. Like, if you um, are a victim of child abuse in, I believe it's California, probably other states too. So if I see, if I know that a child is being abused and I go to the cops and I say, I know that this five-year-old is being molested, they'll say we can't do anything unless the child comes forward or you have photo evidence. Like a kind of crazy law, you know, like, I'm not saying I know, like, I also don't think that people should just be able to throw people in jail because they went, he's molesting my kid and without due process, like, I don't know the answer, but I do know that a 5150 is like, it's pretty serious. You can't just do it to anyone, you know, no matter how bad it was or how justified they would have been, the solution is not keep this person infantilized in a box forever. It's let this person go out in the world and be a human being and develop coping mechanisms and be a person and learn independence. Like you cannot just let their brain atrophy forever, not let them have a phone and be exposed to life. So, and, and become the best parent she can be and, and, and grow and thrive and have a second chance at picking the way she wants to live. You know, it's, it, it's crazy. And also Whitney, thinking about this, her dad is a recovering alcoholic and he, well I wonder if his becoming uh number one of her conservatorship mm -hmm. has become an addiction like the control over his daughter's life the fear it, the fear too fears and and look you have a dog you have a baby now no just a dog oh just my, a dog he, just dog um, like my he's like my baby he's like your baby of course fair um uh you know, I have a couple dogs. Um, I, uh, I've done some pretty wild things in uh, the name of protecting them. I've screamed at a very famous person at a dog park because they yelled at my, like, I, it was a primal urge that came over. We are animals. Our amygdala runs the show. Our reptilian brains run the show. I would kill someone with my bare hands if they tried to hurt my dog my dog, right? So I don't have kids. I cannot even pretend to know what I would do if my child was the most famous woman in the world and paparazzi were driving her into walls. Like, I, I don't know what I would do. And I'm not saying whatever he's doing is okay because whatever's happening is bad for her. But, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit with this fucking guy because I don't, I don't, I don't like him. My gut is, 
you know, none of our dads really had the tools, but I've done some very, I've made some very intense decisions <laughs> in the name of protecting something I love. And I don't know why my heart wants to go like, he just thinks he's protecting her. He's not. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just, I would love to fucking get in a cage with that guy and just hear what he thinks he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. with my dog, yeah. for example, like I have a dog, he had a an injury on his foot and I like kept him the crate. I wouldn't let him run. I wouldn't. And the vet was like, you have to let him. And I, and I was like, I can't, I can't ever let him outside again. And he cut his foot and what he that happens again, you know, our amygdala takes over. We're very irrational creatures. We make bad decisions. Like, you know, I don't know how to reason with a parent who's scared for their kid. You, you become in a, I hope that's what's happening instead of like, he's just a greedy motherfucker. Who's like riding her and taking all her money. Because here's the thing. I'm going to play devil's advocate. If this motherfucker really wanted to make a bunch of money off her, why wouldn't she be doing endorsement deals on Instagram? She'd be making a million dollars a day. Yeah. I, I'm just saying. Yeah. No, I think. He's losing after, money on her right now. After the doc came out too, when she talked about the Super Bowl and how that was the big thing everyone was waiting for. And right. how she, I mean, it was like this mysterious thing. And mm-hmm. she was, you know, playing around with it and saying it was hard because I thought I wanted this team to win. But also I like this, the other team too. Mm-hmm. And. I think, because I do feel connected to her, I feel like she was saying it's a little bit more complicated. I think she wants to be free. She does not want her dad to be in charge anymore. She recognizes that she might need to be in this conservatorship for a longer period of time. Still, I mean... She is- all, what she is saying, at least through her lawyer, is that she just doesn't want her dad to be in charge. She would like... Her sister? Like this... She, her maybe her sister to be involved, but really she's saying she wants a business manager. She yeah. wants this bank in charge of her um of her finances and to guide her. Mm-hmm. I mean, Whitney, here's the thing: you have when you became famous and you had like a lot more to manage mm-hmm. as far as like your finances. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not something that someone just knows how to do. Mm-mm. I mean, Uh -uh. you're a very smart, very capable person. You're a stand-up comedian. You know how to, like, get in there and do the job that you know how to do. How about this? I've been stolen from a ton, taken advantage of a ton. It is like, you know, now I'm 38 years old, and I know how to ask for an audit, and I know how to say, let me see the receipts, and I spend three hours a week going through every bill, checking all my shit, Going, hey, this was supposed to be, I thought this was $300 an hour. Now you're charging me $500 an hour? What's up with that? Like, I ask so many questions. Like, it is a full-time job. It has taken me so long. I've lost so much. I've given so much money to guys and paid their student loans. And I want you to like me. And I'm going to cover this person's dental surgery. And like, I did all, I did all that. I made a ton of mistakes. I blew a bunch of money. Like, but I didn't have Brittany. Brittany's got the kind of money that, you know, she can go blow a bunch of money and it's also fine. She's earned the right to go blow a bunch of money. Like, that's the other thing. If Brittany wants to go buy five planes, she should be able to. She can also fucking afford it. Like, I can't. So I am like, I'm going to buy real estate. And I, you know, I don't have Brittany money. Brittany makes God knows how much in her sleep. Ever. I mean, I, I listen to her. I mean, I'm, I know how much money I'm giving her a week now. I mean, I'm still buying her perfumes and shit. Like, she's making so much money that she should be able to live like a, uh, uh indulgent pop star. For better or worse, this is her money. And I just want her to have that ownership. I want someone to sit down with her. I, my dream is for Susie Orman to go over to her house and sit down and say, listen, girlfriend, and we're going to go through your finances. But also, guess what? That motherfucker, I don't even remember his name. She should be able to give him $5 million and he screws her over and breaks her heart and she learns the hard way. We all should deserve to learn the hard way and be given the dignity of our own experience. And to how is she going to learn? Like, how is she going to grow as an adult? She should, again, I don't know all this. Someone might tell me she spent $100 million in two days and pulled an MC Hammer and went, or Tony Braxton. There's also a lot of, 
you know, uh, uh, situations where people go broke and, you know, but Britney is a. But that's her right. She, that's her right. And guess what? She can make that shit back whenever the fuck she wants it, on a casino gig, on personal appearances. Like no one's just telling like I have learned uh, you know, you make half of what you get. Let's be honest when it comes to taxes, b- managers, agents, lawyers. I don't even know if she has agents and managers and lawyers, uh, to be honest, which is very weird because normally you have a team of people that are kind of fighting with each other and you want to hire people that check each other and you want the lawyer that goes, hey, I feel like your manager's double dipping and the manager that goes, hey, I don't know if your lawyer needs to be commissioned. And they're all kind of, um, you know, uh, 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 pushing each other to keep each other honest you know, so I don't know who she's paying, but she can afford to give that deadbeat five million dollars and then have her heart broken and then she'll go great. I'll just do one. I'll just do fucking one festival in Australia and make it all back. She should be able to do that. I learned when I bought a house and got in over my head. And the first time I had money, I, I got paid a lot. The next year I couldn't afford the taxes on it because I didn't know how money worked. But then <laughs> I went and did. 20 colleges in three months and made it back. Like I at least had the, 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 um, agency to make a mistake, learn, and then make the money back. And, and that's everything because now, now you're moving forward with all of that information and knowing what you have to do and knowing what you want to do and knowing how to make tough choices. Like these are, these are skills that Brittany does not have right. because she has not been having the life experience. That's right. And that is just like point blank. I also think that for many fans who are like, let her free. She doesn't need to be uh, in the conservatorship and her dad and removing all of the things. We can't just l- let someone out at sea either. I think it's- I'm going to say something crazy. Famous people need to be friends with other famous people. She should be on the phone with Rihanna, with Pink, with all these, with Sia, with Ariana Grande. Like, like I'm finding the the greatest way to um, learn is to just ask other people. She needs to have access to other pop stars that have been in her situation. I always used to wonder why famous people were friends with famous people. I was like, how weird. It's because they share a set of circumstances that is so unique that they, you know, need to be able to go, hey, how much do you spend on security? Like, how much is your, like, to compare notes? Like, she's, from what I understand, like, doesn't have any anyone talking to her. Like, she should be able to call up, you know, Shania Twain and go, is this normal? Or Taylor Swift going, should I buy the rights to my library back? Like, she doesn't, she should be able to do, how much are you making on your perfume? Like, you know, she, yes. and watching that documentary to answer your question is a very circuitous answer. I'm going to I'm going to confront my own internalized misogyny here and go, holy fuck, she's smart as shit. This is not some airhead who like was not in like who was just like, what am I doing? She was not a puppet being run by marionette dolls, like watching her run the choreography. And I was like, this person can do it. This is a cogent, smart. No one gets to that point without being smart and sagacious and having a fucking iron will also I know that I grew up with a lot of women in the South. Like they, they don't fucking play dude. She, if she was able to have her faculties, I believe she'd be the person's like, let me see that bill. Let me, you know, let me see that. Let's see how much is that. Like you can't be a good choreographer and dancer and singer and not think like that. You know, you have to think like this person's off step, this person behind me, this dancer needs to move up. Like, Watching the way that she was able to uh, run a a show, it's hard to do. I don't even know if I could do it. She's good at communicating. She's good at being clear. You cannot run a show with 100 dancers and 50 cities without going, nope, we're going to break for lunch now. Like she's running shit. It's it, it, and I think it's like hard for other people to believe because I think they think that most artists like have some magical choreographer that just like does everything. Of course they have that, but she was making a lot of fucking decisions that were working and that were cogent and clear. And she was standing up for herself and going, no, I want this dancer and I want this dancer here and I want to do this now. And then I want the, the fucking fire to come up behind me. And that like, she had to make a thousand decisions a day. Yes. And she yes. did it well. She did it. Well, and Whitney, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Just one last question. Am I canceled? No. Did I say anything bad? Did I defend her dad? I didn't defend. I'm not trying to defend her dad. I'm just trying to wrap my head around 
why the, how the fuck, you know, you can justify doing this to your own child. Like in his head, he must think he's protecting her or am I, is he just, or am I just uh, have Stockholm syndrome? (laughs) No, I agree with you. I think that it start, my take is that it started with the best of intentions Mm -hmm. and then people are flawed. Yep. People are greedy. People are greedy and people's ego gets involved. I mean, that's the other thing is like, I just am like try to be a student of psychology and, and put my bias out of the way and go like, I also think something happens where even if you make the wrong decision, you've invested so much in that wrong decision. It's so hard to course correct. Like, I kind of want to tell her dad, hey, dude, it's never too late to say I'm wrong. Like, it's never too late. You Remove your pride, your ego. No one's calling you a bad father. Like, just stop. You know what I mean? Like, it's never too late to say, oops, I went too far. Ooh, I like, I assume he listens to the podcast, this podcast. I'm just talking to him directly. It's never too late to go, okay, I thought I was protecting her and now I'm hurting her. I thought this was the right thing and I was wrong and I'm going to change. Like, it's never too late to do that. And I know what it's like to make a bad decision and then stand by it just because I'm embarrassed to admit I made the wrong decision. (laughs) I know what it's like to do that, especially in the name of protecting your child. But like, it's never too late to go, okay. No one's gonna, no one's gonna be mad at you. Everyone's gonna go. Good for him for finally realizing it. You know, well, I mean, there's certain a lot of people that are gonna hate you forever. Uh, but it's never too late to try something new for the name of your child being a free human. And maybe you were justified ten years ago. Maybe you did save her life a thousand times, and that's awesome. As a father, that's your job. No one gets points for that. You know. There's no blueprint for having a famous daughter. There is no blueprint for having the most famous daughter in the world who was like universally sexualized and couldn't get down the street and paparazzi. It's different now. Like it, it's we're in a pandemic. Like, you know, paparazzi are largely kind of going away because of Instagram. Like there's pictures aren't worth a million dollars anymore because celebrities are just taking them themselves and posting it. Like it's a different world. Like she can survive in this world. Get her on the phone with Jessica Simpson and figure out what Jessica Simpson is doing. Like she should be able to do whatever the fuck she wants. You know, like it's never too late to change your mind or to do the right thing. Yes. And Whitney, what does it look like to you where you go on Instagram and you look and you see a post from Brittany and you're like happy for her? What is like your dream for Brittany in five years? It's her holding a snake saying, I'm no longer a slave for you, dad. This is I'm writing this caption in my Fenty lingerie and my blue ivy sweatpants that I just fucking you know it's just her it's like her take it's never like I, I yeah I think it's her going in some version of that you know um because I think she's funny she's like quick she's all of it you know and like we're just not seeing any of those sides of her and I think that when she's like awake and given the freedom that everyone deserves to like be impish and childish and playful and and wherever you are we accept you at where you are and even if she's like hey guys I'm free but I don't want to be on social media for two years we'll go cool go take care of yourself do what we expect nothing from you go heal go hiking go to Spain go to whatever you want to do dye your hair go undercover like I don't know what that's going to look like for her once she's kind of out. But I also think it's important to remember that like there are very real vampires out there. There are very real people that would still be hunting her and trying to use her. And, you know, um, I just hope I'm, I feel so lucky that I have like people in my life that I feel like I can trust. There's not a ton of them. But, you know, she is um, a goldmine. She's a, a, people look at her and see an ATM machine. And, and um, I've seen it happen. I've seen people's husbands that I was, I have like officiated their wedding and like they were so in love. And then Kathy Griffin, I don't have to tell you, I think her husband was taking money out every day from the ATM machine. I mean, it's like there is, are very real threats uh, 
to women like this. And um, I don't want to pretend that doesn't exist, but your threat should not be your own father. Absolutely. We Need to Talk About Britney is an Erios podcast. It is produced by Maria Blasucci. Thank you to Whitney for talking with me about Britney. And if you need to talk about Britney, the We Need to Talk About Britney hotline is open. Just call 814-277-3277. Our phone lines are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because sometimes you just need to talk about Britney. Thanks, guys. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.